1: Your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
2: What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast, accompanied by our new, very professional-sounding introduction, James. I absolutely love it. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON to get $10 off your next order. A lot going on today, James. We have news about fans in Paul Brown Stadium. We've got a bunch of roster moves that this is two weeks in a row. I think they've, they've got us with roster moves on the off day. So we'll talk about what that means for the way the 53 men shaken out. We have some comments from Zach Taylor and we'll address a lot of those in the mailbag, we've got two segments full of a mailbag for you coming your way later in the show. And what Zach Taylor actually said in his press conference today happens to answer a lot of your questions. And since it's not in the intro anymore, if you're new to the show, make sure you follow James and I on Twitter. You can find me at Jake underscore NFL, James at James Rapine and the podcast at On Bengals. And definitely make sure you follow that Locked On Bengals handle if you don't already, because that is where we gather questions for our weekly mailbags. James, let's get started today by talking about what is going to be going on in Paul Brown Stadium on Sunday, September 13th. Bengals fans listening know, of course, that the Bengals will be playing host to the Los Angeles Chargers at Paul Brown Stadium. But unfortunately, the Bengals couldn't get it done with the state to allow fans into the stadium for the home opener where other teams around the NFL have announced many of them also not doing fans. Four of them so far have found a way to get a very limited capacity in. And Katie Blackburn said in a statement that she wants fans to know that they are working toward getting fans as the season goes along.
0: It's a bummer. Look, I'm not diving into coronavirus or any of that. Like obviously global pandemic A lot of you probably expected this to come down and this news to happen. And the reality is, as long as we have a season, I think we're all happy, right? If you could safely play football in 2020. That being said, Joe Burrow's first NFL game in a Bengals uniform is going to be played in front of zero fans at Paul Brown Stadium. That is a bummer. It's also a bummer, whether we like it or not, that the Bengals, who applied for an exemption from the state... Were unable to get it done, and and I don't know if this is the state, you know, being prickly here, or if the the Bengals plan just wasn't good enough, or I don't know what the you know the details are, but it just stinks because Bengals fans deserve to be able to watch Joe Burrow in person, and I get it, it wasn't going to be sixty five thousand sold out crowd or sixty seven thousand whatever PBS uh, can hold, but even 15,000, 10,000, it would have been great, and, and it sucks that it's not going to happen. Hopefully that you know, they can find a way to get fans safely in there at a limited capacity later in the season. Unfortunately, it won't be in September.
2: I've been watching games on TV for the last few years. Everybody listening knows that I live far away from Cincinnati, so I know that I will still enjoy the games. I know that fans will still find a way to enjoy watching Joe Burrow's debut on September 13th. What I really feel bad for is is all those rookies, Joe Burrow namely, he will eventually get to play in front of a packed Paul Brown stadium. And I really look forward to that day, but it's really too bad that he doesn't get that little boost, that little shot of extra adrenaline in his first start. Not that I, I think it really matters. I don't think it really has a bearing, but it's a cool experience that he will never really get in, in, in his first game in the NFL. This is a once in a lifetime kind of deal. So I do feel a little bit bad for Joe, but I'm sure he would never admit that he's bothered by it at all. But let's shift gears for a couple minutes and talk about some good news, James. And that's that Zach Taylor indicates that A.J. Green is expected to return to practice and we'll see in what capacity tomorrow he was most recently seen running on the rehab field. And you even asked him, is A.J. going to participate in the scrimmage? And Taylor didn't rule it out exactly, but it did sound to me like the only part that is likely to see Green's participation is the part of the scrimmage that doesn't feature live tackling. Which is fine. Look, just
0: get him out there, get him going through the the pregame routine and catching passes from Joe Burrow. Look, we all know A.J. Green's going to get hit at some point. But that chemistry with number nine is something that they they can't make up and they can't just roll with. And so I I think they realize the importance of that. That's probably why they held Green out. And he looked good. We talked about it when he was going through the rehab uh, rehab stuff. On Monday, uh, on the rehab field, he looked pretty solid. And, and so I, I think you, you give him a day, and now Wednesday you see what he can do in individual drills. I'd be shocked if he's in on 7 on 7 or 11 on 11 on Wednesday. We'll see, though. But, yeah, get him out there. Get him some chemistry with uh, with number nine and see, see how it goes. But this is certainly good news, especially for those that have already drafted A.J. Green in fantasy
2: football. And Joe Burrow, in the very near future, will have the opportunity to have potentially A.J. Green, John Ross, Tyler Boyd on the field together for their first 11-on-11 or 7-on-7 that we've seen from the Bengals in pads this year, and that has got to be very exciting as well. Just imagine, you have those three guys, and then you have Tate and Higgins and the hype behind Michael Thomas behind them right now. That's a lot of weapons at the wide receiver position for this team and a very good problem to have, and it's all led by 18 who's ready to come back to practice. And maybe you're pumped up about AJ Green returning to practice. You're going to go use that energy to lift some weights. And if you do, make sure you grab a built bar first because A, they're sponsoring this episode. And more importantly, B, they are the best protein bar on the market. The new improved built bar, even, and I quote, deliciouser than the previous iterations. Six new flavors. And you know, James Rapine loves that built bar. Cookies and cream, baby,
0: and not just cookies and cream now. Caramel brownie, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, apple almond crisp, plus the 12 original flavors. Look, Built Bar has something for everybody. So it doesn't matter if you're just starting out at the gym, if you're super in shape and you're trying to get a little more protein in your diet, Built Bars are the way to go. They're high in protein, low in sugar, and the best part about it, they taste Great. So right now, go to builtbar.com, use promo code locked on, and you're going to get $10 off your order. Again, promo code locked on gets you $10 off your order at builtbar.com.
1: They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
2: Before we get into the mailbag, as James and I were recording this episode, there's some really sad news that Tom Pellicero broke on Twitter Mackenzie Alexander has departed from Bengals' camp as the Okeechobee County Florida Sheriff's Office searches for his father. Pellicero's tweet indicates that Alexander's father went to northwest Okeechobee with another man on Monday to pick palmetto berries somewhere on the prairie, and the other man left Alexander behind. Anyone with information is encouraged to call 863-763-3117. And our thoughts and, if you're religious, prayers... Are certainly with Alexander and his family.
0: Sad, sad news. And like you said, Jake, hopefully this ends uh, on a high note. And, it, you know, it ends with McKenzie and his family finding his father. Let's transition now uh, to the mailbag. We do this every week here on Locked On Bengals. So make sure you get your mailbag questions then weekly at Locked On Bengals on Twitter. And, Jake, let's start with Jake. At Juicy Jake underscore on Twitter asks if AJ Green and John Ross are both healthy for 16 games this year and put up similar numbers, who do you lean towards giving
2: a long-term extension to? At first I was thinking that's a pretty hard question, but then I was thinking that if they put up similar numbers and it depends how similar these numbers are, but you're saying that they put up similar numbers. So I'm, I'm imagining identical numbers, 16 games, You know, 70 catches, 1,000 yards, something like that. I don't know. Just making numbers up here. John Ross is much younger. Both guys are very injury prone. You have T. Higgins waiting in the wings to be that bigger, smoother guy. And I'm not saying that he can be A.J. Green. But if I'm picking between those two for a long-term extension and I'm taking all of the emotion out of it, then it's John Ross. As soon as emotion comes back into the question for me, though, it becomes A.J. Green because like Mike Brown... I'm ready to see a guy go wire to wire in Bengal stripes.
0: I get it. I totally get it. Uh, I agree with you. It is John Ross. If those things happen and here's why he's not going to cost $20 million. If he has 1100 yards this year, That's he's going to cost eight <laughs> like John Ross. It, let's say John has a great year, 16 games, 1100 yards, 10 touchdowns. This dude isn't making 15 million per season next year. He's getting like eight to 10. And so that's something that you'd have to take into consideration. And, and when you look at this team and who else could you know explode and, and be paid big money, what if William Jackson goes off and Carl Lawson all these guys, you might have to try to go with the lesser of the two cost wise. Uh, you know, so AJ Green's going to want, you know, 15 to 20 minimum per season next year if he has a big year this year. If Ross does the same, I think he'd stay around for eight to 10. So that's what I'm saying.
2: Typical Bengals approach, they're pinching pinch. pen No, I'm just kidding. Give me a hard time. Next oh question God. comes from Bengals Fans Ireland at Bengals Ireland on Twitter. They ask, Should Damian Willis have been waived and will the Be- will the Bengals I don't know what I was about to say there regret not keeping him. <laughs> um, no. They're not
0: gonna regret it. And I know he started and and man, if I had a dollar for every media member that was like, man, from starting to cut year. every year. I didn't do it. You didn't see me do it. Good for you. Because <laughs> it was ridiculous. <laughs> like, look, I could have bet big I would have bet you big money before camp and certainly after watching camp that he wasn't making the roster. Is it a little surprising, I guess, that he, you know, he's not gonna be on the sixteen man practice squad? I guess so. But you look at this this wide receiver room. It's so deep. I mean he's maybe the tenth best guy. So why? Why you know, why would he being consideration here and probably not even the 10th best guy and that's why they moved on from him. So, no, I I don't think uh I don't think they are going to regret it at all and if he didn't start week 1 last year, I don't think most people would be, have any reaction to them moving on from him. And I'm not trying to be mean, I just think that's the
2: reality. Yeah, I think that the only reason is that he had a big preseason and training camp last year. He was part of a series of moves the Bengals made today. They waived Willis. They also waived college free agent Clay Cordasco. He was a guard. So it sounds like he was not impressing coaches because it's not like the Bengals have a lot of depth at interior offensive line right now. It's actually something that Zach Taylor kind of complained about in a roundabout way in his press conference today when he was asked, do you have the best five guys out there? Dave Lapham asked him and he goes, well, when you only have, you know, nine guys, they're all going to play and, and they're all going to rotate. And so he's kind of not, now you got another guy in there. They, they had uh Nipfel, the other college free agent, he had a head injury apparently, and so they bring they bring a center in instead. Frederick Maigoa, the guy we talked about yesterday who tried out, along with defensive tackle Khalil McKenzie, and they're bringing in some depth, and we'll see if these guys are camp bodies, if there's any chance for Maigoa to make the team as a backup center, or if he's just going to be a practice squad guy, and, and they let Billy Price be the backup for all of those interior offensive line positions, really. And along the note of transactions, the Bengals also tried out Maurice Smith. And according to Aaron Wilson, that went really well. And Maurice Smith is a fourth-year former college free agent signee. He played safety for Miami with Lou Anarumo, and last year he was in Washington. Played a lot of special teams for Miami in 2018 as well. And I find it interesting that the Bengals continue to work out safeties when this is a position that I thought that they would feel relatively good about, and I'm not really sure what the fit is here.
0: Maybe just doing your due diligence or or considering for that practice squad. We know how important that is. I like the Mayagoa signing because Fred Johnson had to play a little right guard on Monday, and you need to get Price some reps there, right? He needs to get some reps there and one-on-ones and stuff, and he's had some... But this could free it up a bit, and instead of Price having to be just the backup center, you get a guy in there who made 39 starts at Washington State, a guy who signed as an undrafted free agent with Carolina, got released at the beginning of training camp uh, before before he even practiced with the team, I believe. Um, So they worked him out. The Packers worked him out. I I like that signing a lot. Um, We'll see if he makes the practice squad. But yeah. More moves, and I would not be shocked at all if they do make a move in that secondary. The way they keep looking at the the back end. Next question comes from Bengal Bob. Jakey says it sounds like Finley is having a good camp. Is there any reason for optimism in his progression? Has he solidified the backup job with his performance
2: last year? Scary. Uh. There's two questions here. Is there a reason for optimism in his progression? It sounds like by all accounts, he looks better again in camp than he did when he played last season, but his arm is just going to be what it is. And, he, you know, the, the, the physical attributes, I don't see them changing very much. Maybe he becomes a better decision maker. Maybe he learns how to operate with his arm strength in the NFL offense, in the NFL speed, with with the windows that exist and he can be kind of a serviceable check down game manager. But I honestly don't know if that's even possible. But to to the second part of your question, has he solidified the backup job? Signs currently suggest that he has, in my opinion. He's the guy getting all the second team reps. He was the only, Jake DelGallo got what, one series in the scrimmage. So I think that there are a lot of fans that, you know they they want to write Finley off because they saw him be bad last year. They want Dolegala to win that job, and I think that currently the way I see the Bengals' quarterback depth working out is 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 going to be Burrow, Finley, and and Allen. Whether Allen's on the practice squad or on the main roster as a as an extra quarterback, I'm not sure what way they go there. I know there's some extra rules about third quarterbacks and all that stuff, but. I don't even think the Dolagala necessarily is making the team right now unless it's a practice squad. Wow. See, I, I I feel
0: differently about that. I think Ryan Finley though is clearly the number 2. I think Dolagala is is clearly the number 3 and Brandon Allen's the dude the the, the backup guy that's going to be on that practice squad and uh, that's it. He's going to be quarantined and and you're hoping to not have to use him, but he's there just in case you have to. I could be wrong about that.
2: But, but do they have the, the space to carry three quarterbacks this year? If one of them is a guy that if he has, like if, if Dola Gala, if it comes down to the Bengals having to play Dola Gala or Brandon Allen, I bet you they would pick Allen if, if the other two guys got hurt somehow.
0: Maybe because his familiarity with, you know, with Zach Taylor's system and everything like that, maybe. But the reality I think is the Bengals feel like they need four quarterbacks, period, on the team. Because if one or what if two guys get it on a Thursday, then who's your backup quarterback? And I think that's how they view it. So I think of their 69 spots, 53 plus 16 practice squad spots, four of those will be quarterbacks. Now, could I see them maybe saying, you know what, we need an extra spot, maybe for an extra wide receiver or something. Let's try to sneak Dolegala onto our practice squad as well with Brandon Allen. Maybe they do that but I think there are going to be four of those 69 spots dedicated to the quarterback position.
2: I can totally see that. I just would be a little surprised. I don't know. We'll, we'll see how it shakes out. I, I went through and tried to do a 53-man roster today, and it gets pretty hard in a few positions in particular, and we'll get into some 53-man projections probably next week or in a couple weeks or something like that as they get closer to the cutdown day. Next question comes from Jimmy Williams. At J Will Buster on Twitter, he asks... Every year we hear the same thing in training camp. The defense looks so great. The line especially looks great. The QB is always on point. My question is, do you think that Burrow is just that good or is the defense just that bad? Or is it maybe a little bit of both? And let's start, James, with the core assumptions of this question.
0: Yeah, let's do that. Who the hell said Andy Dalton was on point?
2: No, I'm just kidding. Not, but not ser- every ser- time. Not always. Seriously, like he I, would have good days and bad days, you know? Yeah,
0: I, yeah, I don't remember that. Um, and, and look, there, there's a lot there, and I don't want to rip on Andy, but let's start there. Burrow is better than Andy Dalton right now. Now, mentally and experience-wise, he's not, but there are certain things he does. He's already had a 14 in, in a lot of areas. Um, but I, I do agree here, and this is where uh, what I think Jimmy was getting at. past four years, losing records the past four years it's been man the defensive line looks so great oh man they're gonna be good on defense that that's been the case and part of that has to do with the bad offensive line um and part of that has to do with yeah they they do have pretty good linemen on, on defense mainly carlos dunlap and geno atkins and it's much much better this year and deeper than it's been in recent years i think it's been a nice balance of defense dominating the day and then offense winning the day. And, and that's why I think it's a little bit of both. And either the team is really, really bad. I don't think that's the case. Or these guys are making each other better. Carlos Dunlap is making Jonah Williams and Joe Burrow better because he's batting passes and he's doing things to Jonah Williams that he's not going to see from many defensive ends in this league. So right now, you know, the phrase iron sharpens iron. I'm going to roll with that one because there's been good days from the offensive line and bad days. Same thing goes for the defense, and the same thing goes for Joe Burrow.
2: I think that there are some themes. I think that the defensive line for the Bengals is better than the offensive line. I think that's pretty obvious, and I think that Joe Burrow is better than the Bengals secondary, and that's kind of And maybe the receivers are, are pretty good, too but we'll have to wait for them to play somebody besides themselves before we can really make any of these sorts of conclusions. But uh, we do have a lot more questions to get to here. James will get back into the mailbag coming up next, including questions like, including some questions about the linebacker core who Zach Taylor also talked about today in his press conference. Today's episode is also brought to you by DoorDash and You've heard me talk about it. Sometimes, especially if you got a family, you have to deal with multiple different cravings at once. And sometimes as a parent, maybe you actually want to give in and, and give the kid or give your husband or give your wife what they want. And that's where DoorDash is just a great option because they have everything. And you can really go in any number of directions with thousands of restaurants open for delivery And you also get the double benefit of supporting your local favorite restaurants that are on DoorDash.
0: I love DoorDash because, look, I can eat my favorite food from my favorite places and do it without having to put on a mask, without having to social distance. I can do it while I'm watching Netflix on my couch with their contactless delivery as well. Right now, our listeners are going to get $5 off in zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter code locked on. You're going to want to do this. If you haven't tried DoorDash, now's your chance. $5 off your order in zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter the code locked on. Don't forget, it's code locked on for $5 off your first order with DoorDash.
1: They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: Let's keep things rolling with the mailbag. Cincinnatus 131 on Twitter asks, Would really like to hear something on the linebackers. We've heard next to nothing about the group. How are the rookies looking?
2: You know, today, it's funny you asked this because today Zach Taylor was asked this very question in his press conference, and he said something along the lines of it may or may not be a direct quote. They're giving us a good problem. I'm enjoying watching them. They're all making strides. They're all getting better. He had positive things to say about the entire room, and he talked about the rookies a little bit. He talked about Josh Bynes. He also mentioned by name, Austin Colitro, which I thought was interesting. The guy the Bengals get off waivers from Jacksonville. This could be, hey, Colitro's is going to make this team. Marcus Bailey might not. It could be we like him. I hope that someone else hears this and signs him after we cut him. It could mean nothing at all. But I think it gets really interesting when you start to talk about what linebackers make the team because, you know, written in blood, you have – Bynes you have Pratt you have Wilson you have Akeem Davis Gaither and then behind that it gets really murky to me do they even keep five do they keep six if you think they keep five because some people do think they will and I just when you only have two of these guys on the field at any one time have a hard time imagining that
0: I would keep five I did (laughs) Uh, for all Bengals on my latest roster projection and guess what someone tweeted me only five but, uh, yeah, I think that's the reality, and I think a lot of these guys are battling for that sixth spot, and, and who's going to get it? Uh, I have Jordan Evans, if he's healthy, getting it, but that could change. And now, Austin Calitro may he's got his opportunity to slide in there and potentially sneak his way on the roster. Marcus Bailey has his opportunity as well. So, look, the the next week here, specifically Sunday, is going to be huge for the linebacker room. Um, and leading up to that, they're going to do a lot of special team stuff over the next few days, which could determine the fate of one of these or, or multiple linebackers on this roster.
2: Yeah. I was tweeting about this actually a lot today. There are a lot of special team snaps that Darren Simmons need to replace from guys that are no longer on the team from guys like Tony McRae that you've totally forgotten about, or, uh, what's his name? Leroy Reynolds, who, who played a lot of special teams snaps. See, even I'm forgetting. The, the, and obviously, Clayton Fedulim, who was the, the up man on punts, who was a special teams ace out there for pretty much all their special team snaps. And if Stanley Morgan doesn't make the team either, you're looking at an entirely new unit of special teamers, maybe barring Seathan Carter, who I think makes a team for his special teams contribution. So these linebackers, hey, you want you want to get that fifth spot, you better be real good at special teams because that's the only way that you're going to be making this roster at this point because of where the congestion is for, for positions that, that need to make the roster. So the bright side is the rookies are are looking better. And I don't think a year ago in Paul Daner's words, you would have heard Zach Taylor say, I'm enjoying watching that position group. That, that was not a, not a position group that the coaches liked last year. Next question comes from Ryan Kaufman at Ryan C 282 on Twitter. This one specifically for you, James. He wants to know what the visual difference is that you've seen from your observations of watching Andy Dalton versus now watching Joe Burrow? What about mistakes in camp, ability to react in the pocket when it collapses? What makes him better as a rookie than Andy Dalton was as a ten year veteran? His instincts
0: there are certain things you can't teach, and it sounds such it sounds so cliche. But it's true. Like LeBron at 18 when he got to the NBA. And I'm not comparing Joe Brown to LeBron. But you you were like, whoa. Whoa, look at that dude. And there are certain things that Joe does every single day. And you're like, oh, he made that look easy. The first thing that is extremely noticeable is how quick his release is. It's quick. It's out. And I don't mean time-wise because it's a, a timing pattern, right? Because Andy Dalton got praised for how quick he would get rid of the ball. I don't mean that. I mean his, literally his delivery. How he... Oh, I'm going to throw here, and he throws it there. Uh, his accuracy, obviously, is, is just something that stands out. But the pocket presence is is much much different. The way he slides, the way he moves, his athleticism. And Andy was a pretty good athlete. I think a, a little bit of an underrated athlete could run a little bit. Uh, unfortunately, he ran a little too much in 13 against the Chargers. Um, but <laughs> bad joke, right? But it, it was uh, it, it was good to see that Burrow's speed. Translated because you see it and I know that sounds stupid, but you see it in college and you're like man Is he still gonna look fast in in the NFL and he does and he's going up against those speedy linebackers and going up against uh, a defense that certainly has a bunch of new pieces So I I think there are a lot of ways. He looks different now Is he gonna make the wrong read sometime like he did when he threw that interception to Josh Bynes? uh, Last week. Yeah, that's going to happen but the way he responds his his competitiveness it's just to another level. And, and and again, when I praise Burrow for something, it's not knocking Andy. Andy was competitive, too. But it's just another level. I think he's already earned his his teammates' respect. We talked about what Uzama said about him. Uh, I heard that Mike Daniels, I, I haven't heard these comments yet, but Mike Daniels had glowing reviews uh, about Joe Burrow uh, on Lance McAllister's show on Tuesday night. So j- it's just one after another, just little things that keep uh, trickling through uh, that are noticeable things that may seem like small things, but a bunch of little things equal a big thing. So I know that's a long-winded answer, Jake, but I think it is noticeable the difference already between a guy like Joe Burrow and a, a quarterback like Andy Dahl.
2: All those things are things that were in the scouting report. And so it's just encouraging to me, who hasn't gotten to see a whole lot of him in person, that you're observing the things that are, are what we expected, essentially, based on that scouting report. I think that the arm the arm strength and the speed are playing a little bit better than I thought they might in the NFL. Not that I was ever concerned about either of those things, but it sounds like they're maybe improved. Not, I I know you don't really improve speed, but the arm strength might be a little bit improved, maybe a little bit compared to his time at LSU, which, which is obviously a good thing, but generally the, the Uzo comments do it for me, right? The, he's that guy. He's a beast out. Like, If you have a player talking about a rookie quarterback like that, I I never heard anyone talk about Andy Dalton that way. And these guys all respected Andy. They all liked Andy. I never heard anyone go that hard for Andy Dalton. That's going to do it for this episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. The Bengals are back in pads. Tomorrow, James is back at camp. We've got a couple padded practices for our remaining episodes this week. And then we've got a scrimmage coming your way on Sunday until then Bengals fans who day and have a good one.
1: Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for mock draft Monday on the locked on NFL draft podcast.